It's the JT and Looney Podcast, episode 105. Our guest today is Dodger insider David Vesse. He's had really cool jobs, and he's still a young guy. He was the Laker insider for a number of years, and then the Dodger insider is the job he has now. He also called some Dodger games this year. What's it like to have two dream jobs in one lifetime? We're going to talk to David about that. David Vesse. But first, I need to remind you, we, we can't do the JT and Looney podcast without Bet Online. They're back. They're better than ever. They have a new interface at the website. Check it out. It's up for the new NBA season. There's more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Not only the NBA season, great college basketball coming up, too. You can bet on that as well. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website today and get your 50% welcome bonus just for being friends with JT and Looney. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use their promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V-50, BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to get your bonus. Basketball, football, baseball, the sweet science. UFC, NHL, your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021-2022 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. And now the podcast starts. Calling CQ, calling CQ. Uh, come in, please. It's the JT and Looney Podcast, episode 105. David Vesse joins us. You may recognize the voice. You may not. Talk show host, number one Dodger insider in the United States of America, the premier Dodger insider in the country. And and that includes uh, Puerto Rico, Guam, the Virgin Islands. He hosts Dodger Talk on their flagship pre- and post-game host for Dodger Radio. He, you called some Dodger games this year, which is really cool, alongside Charlie Steiner. And MLB Network, Spectrum Sportsnet, have I got the entire resume correct? Don't forget the Extra Innings podcast presented by Corona. Oh, I love that, the Extra Innings podcast. I have never listened to it, I, and the only reason is I only listen to podcasts when I'm driving on long trips. And I don't, I don't like to drive on long trips. I have attention span issues, David. I think you know that. I never realized that about you. <laughs> I've known you since 1999. Shall we say that in the interest of journalistic integrity, even though we're not really journalists and people are always questioning our integrity. Shall we tell people right off the bat? Full that, disclosure. Yeah, full disclosure. You know, one thing I'd like to start with is dream jobs. You specialize in dream jobs. And there's lots of little boys who grew up loving their teams, but don't get to fly on planes with them. You did it with the Lakers and you're doing it with the Dodgers. Lots millions. Let's just pick Southern California. Millions of boys in Southern California grew up loving the Lakers and didn't up riding uh, in, in their 20s, riding on planes with the Lakers and covering the Lakers. And then, and then in your 30s, you ended up doing it with the Dodgers. How, how how do you do that? A lot of hard work and being at the right place at the right time and creating your own opportunities. I never really flew on the Laker charter loony, but I did travel to uh, a few different road cities on my own. <laughs> you should be like Jerry West. 
Whenever Jerry West speaks at a banquet, they say, here's the architect of the Showtime Lakers. And he's not, but he never corrects them. <laughs> yes, he is. He is oh, the he architect. Is he was not the general manager of the Lakers during the Showtime era. Yes, he was. No, no he wasn't. He it's took th- over for Bill Sharman a couple of years in. He was not he didn't the man even that drafted draft. Magic. He didn't, he didn't even want to draft Magic. Jack. That's not true. Stop it. Oh, He's the man that drafted James Worthy instead of Terry Cummings or Dominique Wilkins. Yeah, I, he is not the architect of the Showtime Lakers, but he does take credit for it. You Who know, drafted AC Green and drafted Byron Scott and traded Norm Nixon. I, uh, it, All it, those pieces fit. I, I'm wondering, you know, what happened with the Memphis Grizzlies if he's such a genius? How could, how could that they be? went? They went to the playoffs for the first time in their franchise history. You know why he? You know why we sent him to Memphis? <laughs> He was a sleeper cell. It was just to bring back, <laughs> just just to bring back Paugus. Yeah, and it I like worked, that, baby. I and like it, that, and it worked. Well, as you know, I, I uh, might have to hang up on this podcast <laughs> if you're going to continue to disparage the great Jerry West. Okay, I won't. I won't. Uh, I, I, you know, I went to Penn State, and a lot of people think Penn State. And by the way, I used to say it loud and proud, and I have to whisper it in hushed tones. <laughs> Jesus, this is uh, all coming together. Uh, uh, and but p- sometimes people say, "Yeah, Looney's an Ivy League guy. He went to Penn, and then I never correct them." <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I never, I never correct them. But people listening to this will say, "Wait a minute, he never traveled on the Laker plane." I don't want to be disingenuous about what I've done. I've accomplished a lot. I don't need to make up stories like others. True, true. Well, out you, there, you, <laughs> you were the you were the Laker insider. That was your job for a long time. What is that like covering the team that you grew up loving? And at that time, actually, you were even younger than the players. Now you're older than the players. You get into <laughs> yeah. that. But uh, what what was that like covering the team that uh, of your youth and getting to know people on it? Yeah, that was really a, a big transition for me, Looney, because like you said, I'm coming from the streets of rooting for guys like Shaq and Kobe and Cedric Sabalos and Nick Van Exel and those guys. And all of a sudden you're standing at the forum on media day in 1998 with Joe McDonald. And you're like, Holy crap, I, I'm really here. And all of a sudden you're in the Laker locker room after games, waiting to talk to Shaquille O'Neal after, you know, a great performance. And you have to just find a way to separate yourself from that fan that you were just a year ago to being a guy that has to ask objective questions and be able to report on it objectively. People like you, and that helped throughout your career. And I knew that when you became the Dodger insider, I said, oh, my God, he's the same age of the players, maybe now a little bit older, but they're going to like him, and it's going to help him in his work. And I was right. Uh, with with uh, You became friends, if we go back in the hot tub time machine, with a legendary L.A. talk show host, Big Joe McDonald. You just mentioned him. And that had a lot to do with you getting inside those doors, didn't it? Yeah, I'll never he forget. had a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah, I'll never forget the greatest piece of advice Joe McDonald ever gave me. We were at the Sizzler of all places, right? Across the street, caddy corner to the forum. And it's still there, incredibly, with all the changes. To oh, I didn't even know still Sizzler there. was, that's funny. Oh, God. Still there, yeah. And he told me the key to uh, longevity was to get to know the players and um, find a way to not befriend them, but get to know them, have them trust you, 
and you'll have a lot of leverage and longevity of success. And he was right. I credit, you know, me staying around the Dodgers now for 10 years because of the players and having that connection and having their trust. And I feel like that's bought me some time to grow into the job because at the very least people and listeners knew um, and management knew how much the players trusted me and liked me. And we made good uh, radio magic with pregame and postgame interviews, especially wow. those celebration interviews we the listeners will decide if it's radio yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so speaking of that though, i wanted to get into that people we grew up listening to on the radio and getting to know which is always which is such a fascinating thing when you go from listening to getting to know people that you uh thought were really good on the radio you and i were both fans of and got to know big joe mcdonald and doug krikorian who did a great radio show together in several incarnations in Southern California. And Doug was a newspaper guy from the L.A. Herald-Examiner. Old-fashioned newspaper guy, or is, and was. And and when he was covering the Rams in like the 70s and 60s, he would, in those days, and newspaper reporters in previous generations, you know, would ride on the train and the plane, get drunk with players, do drugs with players, and go out and carouse with players. But it's not like that now, is it? No, I actually carouse more than players do these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they order in with their uh, yeah with their bumble and everything else. You're right, but uh, uh, so have you ever gotten drunk with the player, done drugs with the player, and who exactly was it and when? Well, number one, I don't do <laughs> drugs, so no. Okay, all right. Number two, I do drink, and yes, I have gotten drunk. Oh, with who exactly? I, I cannot reveal that, Tom. Okay. I got to ask, David, I'm a journalist. But yeah, yeah, I know you do. I know. <laughs> oh, well, okay. but yeah, it's been that, you know, that's where you get your best information away from the field. And a lot of times that doesn't happen these days because players, at least on the Dodgers, are not guys that go out that much and they play video games in their rooms. So uh, I feel like if you play, if you're a gamer, you might have a better chance to talk to these guys over the headsets while you're playing Call of Duty. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when you, you're right about that. Wow. And that's a that's a fascinating way that, you know, that, that times have changed in the way that people talk about spoiled brat athletes making these millions of dollars. But they don't drink and do as much drugs as they did in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. That's they right. Oh, they 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 uh, they stand. It's also the tenderization of uh of the uh, of sports where if you want to kiss a pretty girl you don't have to stay out until three in the morning at a club right you just uh, swipe right right you can drink coffee instead of booze and stay in your room and th that's a that's a fascinating change also that's happened the soberization of sports over the years that has happened it's really cool though that you've got it's almost old school that you've gotten to known players and have a beer with players and and the way it probably builds trust in the way that they tell you stuff that should never go on the air. And then when it never goes on the air, you've built the trust. Is that a lot of ways how it happens? Yeah, 100 yeah. percent. And over the years, you know, players were listening to post-game Dodger talk driving home and we're pretend like uh, they would minimize my job. Like, does anybody listen to what you do? <laughs> right, Pretending right. like they've never heard of what I do. And then all of a sudden through the years, they slip up and say maybe a catchphrase that I use often or a uh -huh. word crutch. 
that I use on the air. Like after one player told me, uh, after every caller, I always say, appreciate the phone call. Uh-huh. So I said, Oh, okay. Okay. So you are a closet listener. So I appreciate that. Uh, so, nice. Yeah. It's, it, sometimes it does take your friends to tell you, you've got a booger on your nose when it comes to broadcasting. My friend Grubble. You're that guy for me, Looney. Oh, I know. I, <laughs> Jeez. Yes, I know. Can you just wait until the show is over to let I me know, know I have sorry. a booger on my nose? Well, I, cause I don't want to forget, you know, I have attention span issues as you know. Um, uh, my friend Grubba once called me. Was wait, wait, to... you have a friend named Grubba? Yeah, he's a prison guard. He's a hardcore. Oh guy. my gosh, yes. that sounds like a prison guard name. And, uh, he called me. No, I'm sorry, correctional officer. They don't want to be called prison guards anymore. Same <laughs> thing with strippers, as you know, Jake. <laughs> what you know, are they called know. now? Uh, go go girls and go go boys. They are not oh. strippers. You didn't know that. No. Remember, I'm I'm a gym rat, so the around. Those men. I thought you were going to say exotic dancer. No, no, that also sounds too pornish. They want to be called <laughs> go-go girls and go-go boys. Okay, good to know. Yes, and so, uh, so he he calls me up and he said he was telling me about my crutches, and he said if you're going to say, listen, because I was doing that when I was trying to catch up with my thoughts. So everyone, you know, we have these crutches that when you when you're talking hours and hours, you have crutches. Some some crutches you don't realize you have. So he told me, I said, by the way, too often. And when I would say, listen, and then have a dramatic pause. And he said, sometimes when you say, listen, and then have a dramatic pause, you say something that's not worth listening to. <laughs> he said, so make sure if you're going to use listen and pause as a crutch, you say something that's worth listening to. It was great advice. So do you have anything to give us when you say, listen? Yes, I, from now on, from this point, well, from, right. since, since that point, yes, I was always careful to keep my my ear out for my own crutch. One know, of the we, crutches you told me was don't ever say uh, to be honest, because then you're basically implying that you haven't been honest oh, with everything else. Right, because it's a pedestrian crutch and you're a professional talker. We should always try to get rid of any. And, and you know, another one's driving me crazy is, and you know, there's a lot of them. Uh, I'm at a loss for words. Well, you're, you're, you're talking into a microphone and, uh, and then people say they're at a loss for words. There are no words to describe how I feel about Tommy Lasorda. And then they go on to describe how they feel. <laughs> and it was, uh, uh, when I was in my sophomore year in college, I had an English professor who taught me one of the most important things. And that is in any postcard, any letter, spoken word, Usually our first sentence can be thrown out. We're just getting ourselves in gear. And you'll notice that even when, you know, especially if there's an important, if there's a big death, then someone will say, words can't describe how I feel about Tommy. And then they will use words to describe how yeah. they feel about Tommy. So a lot of times we can get rid of the first sentence in any postcard, eulogy, anything. And then our second sentence is usually far more powerful but you, you've uh, you've had to fill lots of hours and sometimes after i heard you talking the other day people were talking about how it would be great for the dodgers to get revenge in the world series against the houston those cheating houston astros and you made the two blabbermouths stop talking for a minute while you explained the 10 different ways the dodgers could have won the world series anyway 
Yeah, I, I always feel like it wasn't just about the Astros cheating. The Dodgers blew game two. Um, they could have won that game. Um, they could have won game seven as well, but they had two chances that they squandered. And also oh, Clayton yeah, Kershaw. Won, there were and, so many ways they could have won game seven, including starting how about Alex, score some runs. How about start different pitcher? Yeah. Uh, Alex Wood, even, who had the lowest DRA. Somebody other than Hugh Darvish. Right. <sighs> So, but we probably shouldn't spend too much time on a World Series from several years ago here on the JT. People are still upset about that. Yeah, I know. Depending on where they're listening right now, we are worldwide on the JT and Looney podcast. We're not just some little local show like you do. Well, if you're in Texas, if you're in Texas, you know, and that's not true, Looney. I had a a listener from Brazil contact me on Instagram that podcasts the show from Brazil. Also, now with Right, with the, the iHeartRadio Radio app. Network. Yeah, and the yeah. iHeartRadio app. We can listen to any radio station. Right. So, good. you know, people in Texas know in their heart of hearts just how disingenuous that World Series trophy is. You're not busy today because the Dodgers aren't in the World Series. <laughs> what happened? I, I like the analogy Charlie Steiner used. The Dodgers were the team that died on Heartbreak Hill. That's uh, the biggest Ooh. hill in uh, the Boston Marathon race. And right. that's where people run out of gas. And that's where the Dodgers ran out of gas and started to lose players to injuries one by one and just had nothing left emotionally, physically. They spent it all in a big pennant race against the Giants and then in a five-game series leading into the NLCS. But they had golden chances again to win the first two games in Atlanta And when they blew those chances, it was very difficult for them to try to make that miraculous comeback like they did a year ago. And they may have run into the hottest team in baseball. And sometimes when you're the hottest team in baseball, you don't have to be the most talented team in baseball. It's just one of those. Look at you. It's it's one of those undefinable things. I don't know if momentum is a real thing. And there's a debate over that. Is it just is momentum hocus pocus? No, it's real. Is chemistry a real thing on a team? And is it important? I've known teams that hated each other and still won a World Series. Yeah, I've known well, teams well, the Lakers that loved back each- in the day. Yeah, and I know teams that have loved each other and not won ninety games. So yeah, there's there, a, an ever eternal debate about chemistry. There's a friend of ours who has a little nickel and dime uh, late night talk show, Ben Maller. I don't know if uh, never heard of him. Yeah. If you know him. Oh, okay, I thought you did. I thought you were, you were friends. No. And he's, he was talking about over the years. Oh, he's a Clipper fan. <laughs> Talk about being on the wrong side of history. Yeah. And uh, he said that there's the Clipper teams over the years, plenty of Clipper teams that he was around had incredible chemistry and couldn't win a game. <laughs> they just loved each other, but they couldn't win a game. And you and I were around the the uh, back to back to back Laker championship, and you know that that lack of chemistry was on the front page of the L.A. Times back in the day, not in the sports section. That lack of chemistry was on the front page. So, you so you believe there is such a thing as momentum in sports, but the and that can't be underestimated. But chemistry is overestimated. Yes, because as long as you have talent. That can overcome chemistry. And also, um, if you're able to create chemistry while you're playing the game, like Shaq and Kobe could, whatever your interests or dislikes are off the court, at least you put them to the side for the game. 
Yeah, and they were two, you know, the two best players in the game, and they could get by it. And their egos wanted to win the game, right? More than their uh, emotions disliked each other. And, and they had the support players that provided the chemistry oh as well. Yeah, shout out to Mike Penberthy. You're right. <laughs> Uh, now, here's one thing that I think gets overlooked over the years, and it drives me crazy when you hear people. Sounds who, like a lot of things bother you, Looney. Yeah, yeah, yes. I, but yeah, because you know I'm, I'm, I'm in the words business, and I'm in the credit business, and the love business, Dave. And the Kobe Powell Lakers, who went to back-to-back-to-back to back to back finals, won two out of three, don't ever get mentioned. They talk about Showtime Lakers, Kobe Shaq Lakers, and they don't, the Lakers went to seven out of 10 championships in the first 10 years of this century. And, and, and thanks to Kobe and Powell in eight, nine and 10, why don't, why doesn't that team get mentioned? Which probably may have been able to beat the Kobe Shaq Lakers. Uh, well, number one, they lost to the Celtics. They weren't, you know, they weren't that good the first time they went there, a little soft, Kobe felt. And the second time that they won, they beat the Orlando Magic. That's not sexy. They beat okay. an overmatched Orlando Magic team. So there's no moment of that NBA Finals that really sticks out. And then they went seven games against the Celtics. That's the one of the three that gets talked about the most. I had a headache after. I had a headache after. I'm sure. Oh my god! Well, because I can't even believe they won it. It was so. Bad. And honestly, Pau Gasol should have been the MVP of the NBA Finals that year, but the obligatory Kobe vote went to Kobe, um, even though he shot so poorly in that game seven. But he did other things to help them win, like rebound the basketball and shoot free throws. But Maybe his biggest play was passing the ball to Meta World Peace. Yes, yes, exactly. And, well, Kobe's ability to uh, pass the ball, you know, people, Phil Jackson called it the, the kidney stone offense where Kobe <laughs> refuses to pass. But, you know, when you take a look at the all-time records, he's way up there on, the, on assists, even yeah. though he had such a selfish reputation. He played 20 years. <laughs> that sounds like you're not going to give him that much uh, uh, credit for it. Did you get to know Kobe? Not many people did. Now, yeah, I, I knew Kobe really well uh, before I started with the Dodgers. And, you know, Kobe and I got along great. He was a great person to me. He was a great person to my family. I brought, you know, my cousin's kids to uh, shoe releases and he treated them like they were family. So, oh, wow. Yeah, Kobe was really a great person. There were times that I didn't agree with the style of play uh, basketball wise, the spirit that he played with sometimes, but I can't say enough good things about the way Kobe Bryant treated me, but I knew Kobe up until probably um, 2010 and we kind of lost touch with each other because I got into the baseball world and grind and our paths never really intersected. Do you fly in the Dodger plane sometimes? All the time. Wow. Now, first of all, what is what kind of plane is it? What is the Dodger plane like? It's a regular uh, commercial airliner that they uh, reserve for the team. And honestly, it's uh, catered with snacks, special menus for food. What kind of food? Oh, like a bison burger, healthy bison burger. Nice. Any yeah. fillets? You got a fillet? Any Sometimes, other? yeah. Do Very they have healthy menu. Alcohol? 
If you, yes, on the way to a traveling city, if you're coming back to Los Angeles, they do not serve alcohol because you got to drive home. Exactly. Uh, okay. That's probably changed over the years. I've, I've, uh, there was an in, there was an incident that forced that change, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Well, society also got a lot more alert to drinking and driving. Do you know when society started? Beginning? It's a trivia question for you. Oh, fun fact. You don't do trivia. You'll become trivial if you do trivia. Now. Fun fact. Do you know really when society started to wake up to drinking and driving? It was a joke. It was even a joke on Johnny Carson for years. When did society wake up? To drinking and driving. It's a rhetorical question because I know you don't know the answer. Go ahead and tell us then. 60 Minutes did a special. You know, it was, you know, back when there were, you know, a handful of stations. 60 Minutes did a special about the scourge of drinking and driving in America and all of our laws changed overnight. Mothers Against Drunk Driving became a huge lobby. Yep. Lobbyists. Um, I actually still watch 60 Minutes. I think it's one of the best news programs out there. Always has been premier. It's terrific. Always has been. Hopefully always will be. It's real journalism. And I'm a big fan of page one journalism. Still, the page one journalists are amazing. Journalism is getting a lot of uh, a lot of bad publicity, but people don't know what good journalism is because the Internet has ruined it mm-hmm. For, mm-hmm. for for good page one journalists. And people, I, I pegged you as a page six fan. Of well, the I New like York both. Post. Well, yes. Big fan of page six, but here's why, and I will not apologize. Here's why I, over the years, I read the Inquirer and would not apologize. I like to read, first of all. Is there any apology for that? And back before the LA Times was a pamphlet, let's use the LA Times as an example, because then you'll be able to relate to it better. You're an LA guy. Back when they had section A, B, C, D, E, and F. Remember when it was a big, thick paper that would land on the front porch? Do you know what my favorite section of the LA Times was back in the day when it was a big newspaper. A1. No, A, B, C, D, E, and F. Mom taught me to be well-rounded. I'm interested in everything. I want to read the article about the Last Supper on the wall of a convent in Milan as much as I want to read the sports page or the front page. I think that's why we do what we do. We're very curious about different things and want to discuss the different curiosities that we have. Speaking of that, oh boy, I, I think one of the hardest things to do in broadcasting and in sports is to interview Justin Turner after he crosses home plate and hits a game-winning home run. What the hell do you ask? It's hard to ask a good question. How do you when when that's happening and you got to run down there and spontaneously ask a question as a person who's interested in people like I do, like I am and you are, and you're a people person, you're inquisitive, you're a proud broadcaster, but God, it's is do you find that tough to ask a good question when the story was just told anyway? The only the only time it's tough to ask the question is when I let the adrenaline and emotions take over. Uh, you take over it, you take over me. Yeah. yeah because okay. you're right there in the moment and you feel the energy of the guys mobbing that player. Take for right. instance, Justin Turner hitting that walk off home run in 2017 game two of the NLCS off of John lackey. You have to find a way to put it into context. And he didn't even know. And he actually um, broke uh broke the tension, if you will, when he, the first thing he told me when I was about to start my questions 
were you beat me in fantasy football today because we're in the same yeah <laughs> because funny. we're in the same fantasy football league he just hits his uh greatest home run of his career and he he's sees yelling me. at you about beating him in fantasy yes. football so wow. first of all that just tells the listener the connection we have and from there you know it might seem like an obvious question but we all have different emotions and different moments so right. you want to know what he was feeling as he was rounding the bases, because when he's in the batter's box, he has no emotions. He's right. just trying You're to hit the ball. Right. He's trying to hit the ball. But once the ball goes over the fence, then the emotions start to flood for a player. And that's what you want to convey to everybody. Yeah, I, because when when players have moments like that, you know, it's got to be it's such it's got to be such a childlike feeling for them because that's what you picture in the backyard alone and you're a 10 year old or a 13 year old filled with teenage angst and you're shooting buckets in the backyard and you're saying three two one that's for the win and every kid has done that everybody does that right so that's why you want him to explain what it really feels like yeah because is it what you thought it would be is it what he thought it would be and it happened to be on the same day that Kirk Gibson hit his home run in 1988. Those wow. two home runs fall on the same day of the year, uh, just 2017 and 1988. And he didn't even know that. So when you tell him that, that's on the air as well. Are you a big believer in or a person who participates in goal visualization? Yes, it's a big deal. You have to visualize. Uh, I visualized as a kid, me doing this job. I visualize as I'm driving to the stadium, what I want to achieve that day and how I want certain things to go certain moments of the post game show to go in the middle of the game, pre game interviews, when I'm getting ready to interview a player after the game, I'm visualizing that as you know, it's starting to get into the eighth inning and it's starting to crystallize who that guy may be that I'm going to talk to. And I've also talked to great athletes like Mark McGuire about visualization. And he's a big believer in that, that it leads to success. So I, I really encourage everybody, no matter what job you do, no matter what you do in life, visualize things. I visualize the family. I visualize how I want my kids to be brought up and all of those things you can make reality as long as you have that visualization purpose. Do you write them down? Uh, no. Wow. Interesting. Usually who are people who are big goal people like you are. No, and I don't have believe achieved in, them like you do. No, wow. I don't believe I, in scripting. Anything. Well, first of all, I do for this reason. You can't really, if you want to eventually one day run in a marathon, you got to buy the shoes. And there's the day when you get off the couch and buy the running shoes. And I often think of, uh, of, of goals and writing them down as uh, a way to put things in motion. When I was a youngster, I was in love with someone who wasn't in love with me, but I wrote a really cool long, this is in the nineties, a really cool love, old fashioned love letter. And I talked about, if you come on this journey to me, we will go to Rome. We will go to Florence and see the Michelangelo, we will go to Milan and see the Last Supper. It's on the wall of a convent there. We'll go to Venice. We'll go to world championship games. We'll sit ringside at fights. 
We'll go to the NBA finals. We'll drive around in L.A. in a little red Corvette. This was all in a letter that I wrote to someone who's chose not to spend their life with me. But by 2010, I had done all those things in yeah. that letter. So I'm, I'm a big believer also in writing them down. Maybe not your style, but I also think it does not hurt. It's like buying the running shoes, getting off the couch and buying the running shoes is your first step towards running outside in a marathon one everybody does differently but i never wrote it down i feel like that sometimes sets you up for disappointment mm -hmm. because you could visualize things but come up short and you have it written down there and you ah, so staring you at that paper things yeah but you have it on that paper and it's staring at you every day uh bruce willis oh, won an emmy <laughs> for uh for moonlighting yeah, and, and that was a 1980s sitcom with Sybil Shepherd. Yes, and backstage they asked him, did you know what you were going to say when you got up on stage? And he said, yeah, I practiced my speech when I was a bartender. There you go. Yeah, same thing that you're talking about. Did you visualize calling games with the Dodgers, which you did this year? Never did. Wow, now that's fun. When it was never up... my goal, never my goal to wow. call games. It's not my ambition. It just, wow. they needed me. They thought I could do it. I filled in for seven or eight games and Charlie Steiner did all the heavy lifting. Right. He just wanted me there to sprinkle in the spice of what I knew, the insight I had with the players and it worked out great, but that's never was my ambition. Never. Is it, st is it, is it an ambition now? No, it's not an wow. ambition. You know, that's how you become Pope, Dave. You can't say you want to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's not my ambition. So maybe you'll end up with it now that you, you know, when you say, you know, so there's sometimes in life when you say you don't want to do something, you get great rewards. Like uh, you, you cannot want to be Pope or ever say you want to be Pope. And if you do, you'll never become Pope. It has to be somebody who doesn't want to be Pope. And if you don't want to call the, the uh, if I may make the Pope, play-by-play -play color commentary analogy, maybe that's going to end up in your lap someday because you don't want it, like, much like Pope Francis. Maybe. Maybe I'll have <laughs> to say no. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did. It gave me a great appreciation for play-by-play -play people that I never had before because we're so quick to criticize them, but right. I'm not sure many people realize how much preparation has to go into being ready for a nine-inning, three-hour-plus game. And also, Charlie Steiner actually taught me a lot of great things, uh, being in the booth with him in that capacity, uh, feeling the beat of the game. You have to feel a beat. Every game has its own beat, and you have to feel it like you're a drummer in a band. And, wow. you know, those are one of the things that I'll, I'll always remember, no matter if I'm doing post-game Dodger talk or – if I fill in again on a game with him, but I, I really think it gave me a greater appreciation and I'll be a little slower to judge play by play people uh, than I used to be after doing it. Well, it always is so easy to judge guys who do that. And you know that from being judged, uh, it's so much, but, but what's fascinating, even about what you do, when you think about it, there are more fighter pilots than there are people who do what you do. That's pretty fascinating when you think about it. It doesn't mean it's as hard to be um, a talk show host <laughs> or an opiner as it is to be a fighter pilot, but it's still a pretty tough gig to get. If there are more fighter pilots than there are pre and post game hosts of baseball, football, NBA, etc., 
it's a pretty cool job to have. No, it's a great job. I just, um, when, when people ask me, how did I get to where I'm at? It's just such a different landscape. Like we talked about, uh, well, first I of first all, you started... have to be, a, you have to be a genius, of course. The first yeah, thing, right of course. Right so over. smart. So smart. <laughs> but like you said earlier, you have to be well-rounded. Vince Scully, what made him great was he was so well-rounded. He gave us history lessons in the middle of a baseball game. He wasn't just baseball. Um, so, well, if you're I, not I well-rounded, you might end up saying something stupid and lose your job. Right. And that has happened. Yeah. If you, right. If you don't, if you didn't pay attention in the human sexuality class or the constitutional law class or whatever it was, the class that you didn't even want to take, forget about that. Just reading the front to back end of the newspaper, like you said, a one well, yeah, well, to I'm E1. Well, of course. Yeah. And, and, but I was pointing those things out because things that have changed or topics that have come up over the years that we've been on the air that you never thought would be sports topics. Uh, the, uh, the, um, like, uh, Bruce Jenner topic, et cetera. You never thought would be, you, you, there'd be trans issues that you'd be talking about in a sports talk radio show, which you didn't have to deal as much with Dodger talk, but I did in sports talk radio. You never thought those issues would be something you'd have to talk about, but it's a good thing. I familiarized myself with those issues because that way I didn't say something stupid and hurtful right. and sophomoric like we guys might do and yeah. lose my job. Yeah. And so that's what uh, that's what helps. You're right about being well-rounded because things are going to because sports is a metaphor for society and society, even things you never think might seep into sports end up doing it. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. And did I you think... get drunk with Puig? Was it Puig? Was it Puig? <laughs> I, bet you, I bet you it was Puig. I think we're out of time, Looney. <laughs> OK, David, thanks for joining us on the JT and Looney podcast. No problem, Looney. Give my best to JT. He's awesome on the Raider broadcasts, and I love listening to him on SiriusXM. Boom. Good. I'll uh, I'll drop in your stupid underscore Twitter. Thanks. I appreciate it. So, so many imitators. Oh, fucking underscore, though. It That's was... all that was available to do the mocking of athletes that have but real he... Shaq or real Dwayne Wade. Oh, uh, okay. Ah, okay. That's what that is. Okay. Yeah. That's funny. Well, didn't somebody else have your name too? Some listener? Yeah. Yeah. How I couldn't get David Basset. Oh, Jesus. How annoying yeah. is that? Yeah. Um, hey, I got to take a shower. Fred Rogan wants me on his TV show at 3.30. Oh, well, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bye, Louie. See ya. See ya. <laughs> wow. You listened to all 36 minutes and 36 seconds of our conversation with the great David Vesey on the JT and Looney podcast. Thank you. The JT and Looney podcast is presented by Bet Online. They used to be your online sportsbook experts. Now it's Bet Online, where the game starts. I liked your online sportsbook experts better. But now I have to say bet online where the game starts. They're a wonderful advertiser. I will do exactly as they say. When you think about it, uh, we are in the advertising business. If I ever run into somebody, I don't want to really talk about what I do because people find this stuff interesting. Sports casting, voiceovers, acting, all the things I do. I tell them I'm, on, I'm in the advertising business. 
if I want to avoid details about what I do because it usually makes the conversation go away. And I often think we can find out a lot more about each other if we just talk about who we are rather than what we do. But I digress. The most important thing here is to mention the JT and Looney podcast is powered by Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.